Hey there, top teachers. We know that these are crazy times, and we truly hope that you and your loved ones are well. The episode that you are about to listen to was pre-recorded, and while you may not be in your classroom right now, many of these strategies can be applied to your home. Just remember that these episodes will be around for you when you do get back into your class. So take notes, and we hope that you enjoy this episode and stay safe. Stay home. Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Michelle Foray and Bridget Spackman, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. In today's episode, we will be sharing five mistakes that we have made in our own classrooms that made them look and feel cluttered so that you can learn from our mistakes and make improvements in your own classroom. But first, let's hear from Barbara on what her time-sucking hurdle has been. So Barbara, Barbara says, I often find myself buying new organizational items that I think are going to help me get all of my things decluttered, but it only causes my classroom to feel even more cluttered. Now I feel like I have too many bins and I can't seem to keep track of them all. Barbara, this episode is for you. Yes, what we are going to be discussing today is going to help you find a system that makes your room feel a lot more put together and a lot more cohesive. Before we jump into the episode, I kind of have an embarrassing but also kind of funny story for you all. At one point in our relationship, my fiance Billy actually banned me from buying more bins. Okay, this was a real thing that happened. He banned the bins. Yes, he did. He banned the bins. And the reason he had to is because I became obsessive with buying them. Every time I went to a store, I immediately wanted to go to the section where they kept all the organizational materials and I would buy them without even knowing what I was going to use them for. I just loved the bins. And as a result, I started hiding bins in the trunk of my car so he wouldn't know. Shame on you, girl. I know. I can't say I'm proud of it. Now, I have gotten better since then. Okay. I really had to think about why am I buying this bin? Do I have a purpose for it? And I no longer buy them for fun. I now buy them with a purpose. Now, before we jump into the meat of this podcast, we first really want to make something very clear. For those teachers that are going to be out there that are either first-year teachers, you're very early in on your career, or you do not have the means to be able to go out and spend a ton of money like the classrooms that you might see on Instagram or Pinterest, do not worry, okay? These mistakes that we're going to share with you, we're gonna give you some really good practical tips on what you can do instead. It's just to help kind of focus your attention on being able to create a nice cohesive classroom so that when you walk in, you don't feel overwhelmed or your anxiety doesn't go up. You wanna walk into a space that makes you feel calm and ready to start the day. And on that note, let's go ahead and jump right into the first mistake that Bridget and I both made in our classroom that made it appear and feel more cluttered. The first mistake that we both made is having containers that are not functional. Oh yeah, that is a definite mistake. And one of the things that I found myself doing was when I would spontaneously buy containers without really thinking about where I was going to put them. Like I had an idea, but I really didn't think through the idea. And so I found that I wasn't measuring or I wasn't looking at how big those containers were and they weren't really fitting the space well. And there is nothing worse than buying a new container, being super excited about it, and then getting home only 
to realize it doesn't fit where you are planning on putting it. I recently bought some cabinets from Ikea to put in my basement. That way, I just had some extra storage for some of the things that Billy and I kind of have laying around. And I wanted containers to go inside of the cabinets to help organize those materials and make it easier to find what we need. So I went to Target and I found some Sterlite containers that I really liked. I went ahead and bought them. And when I got home, spoiler alert, they didn't fit. And I was so frustrated because I didn't want to go back to the store and I ended up just keeping them, but they stick out past where my doors should be. So when I go to close the doors, they don't close all the way. And then my cats, oh, this is so infuriating. They will use their paws and they will put put it in and they will just like open the door and then close it and open the door and close it. I would lose my mind. Yeah, um, I think I have more than once. And (laughs) that was my mistake. I did not measure the space before going out and buying containers. So therefore, the containers that I have are not functional. And another trap that we fall into is buying containers that look pretty or they're trendy without really thinking about how they're going to function within our space. I am guilty of this as well. I hate to admit it, but I've definitely had this happen. I fell in love with these rainbow drawers. Now, I originally saw them at Michael's and they have a big version which comes up to like, I don't know, halfway between my hip and my head. Like they're pretty tall. And I have those and love them. And they also have a mini version that's maybe a foot to a foot and a half tall. And I had seen them at Michael's and I really, really liked them. And one day I was at Home Goods and they actually had an identical set of the mini rainbow drawers and they were on sale. So without even thinking about it, I purchased them and I was like, it's fine. I'll find a way to use them. Well, as it turns out, I brought the drawers into my classroom and they have not been functional for any of my needs. The drawers are super thin and narrow and they don't really fit any of the materials that I need to store. Like they're really small drawers and it just doesn't work. And I I've tried them for so many different things and I can't find anything that works. So I ended up bringing them home and now they're sitting in my basement in my for sale pile because I'd rather give them to someone else who can actually use them because they weren't functional for me. You know, it's so funny that you talked about like not being able to find a place to make it work for your classroom. And I think this is something that we all as teachers need to kind of just put the brakes, right? Pause and really think about like, what are the needs that I have in my classroom? And just wait, you do not have to go out immediately and buy something because you feel the need that you have to have it. You can make things work that you already have in your classroom for a temporary you know, time period and then decide, okay, well, here's what I really do need. Because I think Michelle, and even you can chime in on this, but I changed a lot over my years of teaching. You know, my my pedagogy changed a ton. And so what I originally started off doing was not something that I ended up doing for very, very long. Yeah. As your needs change, you have to update your systems in your classroom. And that does include your organizational systems. So what might work your first and second year of teaching may no longer work your fifth year. And then you may have to change it up again your 10th year like you constantly have to be evolving and so do those systems that you have in place. 
And this also makes me think of storage units. Now, I know these are not containers, but it, it's very, very similar in the fact that I think we buy storage units or we buy shelves or we see that somebody down the hall is getting rid of something and you're like, ooh, I'm going to take that. And I'm going to pull it and make it work in my classroom. But in the end, you have a green shelf over here that somebody had painted. You have a white one from Target. You have another white one from Ikea and they all look just a little bit bit different. And it doesn't really create a cohesive classroom. So while so many teachers are like on Pinterest or Instagram and they're like, man, these teachers have such great classroom classrooms, they built it over time and they were very intentional with the pieces that they purchased. They didn't go out and immediately buy everything all at once. But when somebody down the hall was saying, hey, do you want this? They said no, because they knew that down the line they were going to purchase something that they really wanted. So now that we've kind of told you about what not to do, we are going to share with you what you should be doing instead. First of all, you need to measure the space before you buy containers. Think about my cabinets with the doors not closing and measure that space so you don't make the same mistake that I made. You also need to figure out what you need functionally in that space. Do you need containers that stack or do you need a set of drawers? Do you need large containers or do you need small containers, you need to make those decisions before you actually buy them. Another idea is actually replacing boxes and things that are falling apart. Think about those game boxes that you probably have available for your students during indoor recess. You can actually replace those with containers because those are going to function better in the space. The boxes rip, they get torn, pieces fall out. But if you actually use a plastic container, it's going to help keep it all together. So when we're talking about functionality, not only is it having the right size and shape, but it's also the durability. So as you're getting these containers, containers that are functional, keep that durability in mind. The second mistake that we have made in our classrooms that make it look and feel cluttered is having classroom themes and color schemes that are not cohesive. Guys, I am a huge, I was so bad at this <laughs> for so many years. I was Hernandez's Hikers. Let's just go take a trip down memory lane for a second. Hernandez's Hikers. I was Spackman Superheroes. And then when I came here to fourth grade in Pennsylvania, I had a Harry Potter theme. And then from a Harry Potter theme, I had like a fantasy theme, which is wasn't too drastic of a difference, but it was still a difference. I had like a fantasy theme. And now I've gone to more of like a brick, like just like a cool vibe. I think of it like my New York vibe. It's very homey. Every time I look at pictures of Bridget's classroom, I'm just like, I could sleep in there and I would be so happy. Yeah. A lot of my kids want to sleep a lot all the time. It happens. But here's the thing with that is that I spent so much money over the years changing my theme to the point now where my, my husband has said, you know what, you can't change a theme until at least you got to give it a good three or four years and then you can try to change it. But even then I started realizing, you know what, I don't really need to change my theme. I need to make sure that I'm looking for things that really match. So if I'm thinking of a theme, I can add it here and there with little bitty details. 
goals. And what happens when you are constantly changing your theme is you're left with these things that don't match because you may change out certain elements, but then not have enough money to change out other things or not have enough time to even get to those. So then you've got like Harry Potter things in one corner and then you still have hiking things in another corner. And those mix matched colors and patterns and just themes in general aren't pleasing to the eye. Okay, let's be honest. That makes your room look and feel more cluttered because it feels all over the place. And this happens often through two different reasons. Number one, you're a new teacher. And so you're just collecting everything you can get. And that's okay at that stage of your teaching career. You need to be satisfied with that for your first year or two while you get your feet wet and you're kind of still adapting to what your needs are in your room and what you need to actually purchase that are going to help fit those needs. Or it happens through impulse buys. And part of those impulse buys happen when you decide to change your classroom theme because you decide on a whim, I'm going to have a new theme and you go out and buy all the stuff, but then you're missing pieces and it all becomes a hot mess. I'm totally guilty of that. Okay, so here is what you can do instead. You want to focus primarily on color schemes such as primary colors, pastel colors, bright colors, or neutrals. That way, when you have your neutrals and you start with your neutrals, meaning you're, the majority of the items in your classroom are neutrals, you can add bits of color in different ways. Now, another name for this is actually color families. My mom is a demonstrator for a company called Stampin' Up, and it's a paper crafting company. They make cards and scrapbooking stuff. (laughs) And I know they actually refer to these as color families, and those are colors that work well together and they mesh. Now, the neutrals, you can pair with any of the other color families, but you don't want to mix pastel colors with primary colors. It's just not going to be as pleasing to the eye. Personally, I love the color black. It's my favorite color. I know that's kind of weird, but it works for me. And I have all of my containers black. That way I can add those pops of color, which I personally choose bright colors. So I have like a bright pink, a bright orange, a bright yellow and green and blue and purple. I add those through labels that I adhere to those neutral colored bins. And you can also think about really making sure that when you go to buy those big ticket items, for instance, like your storage units, your shelves, make sure that those items are neutral. And when you keep those items neutral, you can add pops of color, just like Michelle said, with the labels or you can do baskets. I did it with ribbon. And so I would create a label and then I would find ribbon that kind of went with my theme and I would attach the label um, to my baskets with that pretty ribbon. And it just gave it a little something extra. And it just it was a little pop of color. I love that because it's so simple and it's cost effective. This works out perfectly if you are wanting to change things up because it is okay for your taste to change every few years or for you to want a fresh start. But it becomes very expensive to have to replace everything thing because you bought it in a particular color scheme that fit your theme for that year. Instead, having those neutral bins allows you to just change out the labels or as Bridget said, the ribbons instead of changing out the entire storage unit. That's going to save you time because you're not going to have to go out and shop for new bins and it's going to save you money. Now we are on to the third mistake that made our classrooms 
feel and look cluttered. And that mistake is having mixed matched labels that are not cohesive. When we say not cohesive, we are referring to the labels are not the same color, they're not the same font, etc., etc. Girl, this is a huge one because I feel like when we walk into classrooms, we already inherit a lot of stuff, right? And labels are expensive, like really expensive. They can be, depending on what kind of labels you get. If you make them yourself, not so much. But yes, if you're going out and buying special borders and stuff to make the labels, yeah, it can yeah, get pricey. I was even thinking like the like Avery, like just labels oh, that people yes. give you. Those are so unbelievably expensive. They are. Now, if you're using those types of labels or you're creating your own labels or you're getting some from TBT, they're already going to be tons of different sizes that you're going to end up having. And guys, when you end up having those containers next to each other, let's say you start with one set, but you realize that one doesn't have all of the items that you need. So you find another set and those items, but they're just going to look a little bit different. They may have pictures on them. Some may not have pictures on them. Some might be like printed. Some might be cursive. They all look a little bit different and it just isn't very pleasing to the eye. But when you focus on that cohesiveness, that's kind of what we're, we're thinking about is the sizes, the colors, the fonts, all of that together. So instead of having them all mix matched and they all look different, they have different fonts and some have pictures and some don't, here's what you should be doing instead. You should be choosing a specific color scheme, kind of like we talked about with the last mistake and using that same set of labels all throughout your room, all with the same font. So personally, because I add pops of colors through my labels, my labels are all the same six colors. And I will either do like a rainbow pattern, so they will go in rainbow order, or sometimes I will even use the colors to differentiate different categories of the things that I'm storing. It really just depends. But those same six colors are throughout the room. The labels all have the same exact design and layout, and they all use the same font. And that font is easily readable. It's not a cursive font or a cutesy font that my kids can't read. My favorite font to use on labels is called Futura. I'm going to mess this up. I knew I was going to mess this up. Futura Condensed Medium. And I will actually type it in all caps. It has a super clean and crisp look and it just helps to tie my room together. Yeah, no, I love that tip. And here's guys, here's a really good pro tip from um, people who create different products. If you stick to three different fonts, you can have a pretty like plain cursive and you want to find a cursive that's like really nice that kids are able to read. You can have a nice chunky font and then you can have a really thin font and just stick with those three fonts and everything you do and you'll be golden, right? Yes, I do that same thing. My thin font is Century Gothic. Um, and currently, I haven't been using a cursive font, so I don't necessarily have one to recommend. But I have used that a lot if I'm creating worksheets and things. It helps the worksheet also seem a lot more cohesive and kind of all tied in together. Guys, you heard it here from Pocketful of Primary herself. <laughs> we know her fonts. Now, if you are like me and you're a little bit lazier because... I just don't have time for that. And I I know I tried to have really good intentions at one point somewhere down the line in my career, but I just never stuck to it. I'm super lazy now. But what you can do is uh, have a Dymo label 
printer that you can use. Uh, I, there are like the basic ones that just kind of print on the white labels. I personally right now I'm really into the embossed. Is that how it's pronounced? Yes. Where it kind of raises. It yeah. Above. It's like the raised and it's like black. And so it has the white lettering. I'm really into that vibe right now. So that's the type of label maker that I have. And I love it because I just keep you know, some random refills inside of one of my drawers and I'm able to pull it out whenever I need to. And then I'm able to create my label, stick it right on and I move on with my life. So we will link Bridget's exact label maker for you down in the show notes, along with a more basic version that I'm assuming is a little bit cheaper, right? I don't know. I, I think the, in the end, the refills are probably cheaper, but I think the machine itself is a little bit more expensive. Like that machine needs to have batteries, whereas the embossed one is like a, it's like a you crank it like it's it's just weird like you punch it almost okay gotcha so we will link both of those options for you down in the show notes and the next mistake we're on to number four is displaying trinkets and decoration items that don't serve a purpose okay this one's going to be a little bit of tough love we're talking about those cute decor items that you found at Target or at TJ Maxx that you buy and put up in your room, but guess what? They don't benefit your students in any way. And all they're doing is taking up space and making your room look cluttered. Okay. I'm sorry, but that's just the reality. And I've been there. Okay. I had this ceramic pencil that I bought from the Target dollar spot. It was like a dollar. And I was like, man, it's so cute. It's adorable. I displayed it on a counter, but I was always paranoid that it would get knocked over and fall and break. And it just served no purpose. It got in the way. My students were constantly moving it around and then I had to put it back in its place. It honestly was pointless. You know, that's funny. It's pointless. (laughs) I didn't even mean to do that. That's a really good one. But you know, it's funny. I had a theme one year and it was like a fairy tale theme that I that we did because each of us, like my partners, we had like a type of book genre that we would decorate our classrooms with. And so I had a fairy tale theme because I had the dragon in my classroom. Well, I went all out on this fairy tale theme. I had like it was very whimsical. And so I had vines hanging from the walls and I had vines that were all over and I found like books and I found dragons and I found fairies and all of these different little things things and trinkets and I would put it up on the shelves. But again, it never served a purpose. And y'all, by the time April came, I was sick of all the dust and how cluttered it all felt. And I just remember like one day right after PSSAs, I took it all down. Now, I know some of you are listening right now and you're like, what the heck, Bridget, Michelle, what am I supposed to put around my room for decoration? Like, I don't understand. So we're going to tell you what you should do instead. You need to choose decor items that actually serve a purpose. And we're going to give you a few examples of that. One of my favorite ways to decorate my room but still have it serve a purpose is actually through posters or frames that have an inspirational or motivational quote. That way you can actually refer to it during instruction. I personally have like a wall of sayings on this one part of my wall that kind of dips down lower. So I filled that space with frames 
And it's all these sayings that I tend to say all the time. So for example, teamwork makes the dream work. Don't yuck someone else's yum. That's one that comes up all the time. And so not only am I hanging these there for my students to look at, but I'm also referring to them and that gives it a purpose. I still remember some of the posters and inspirational sayings that were up in my classroom in elementary school. I do think that those stick with you. And so even though it seems kind of cheesy and you're like, all right, this is pointless. I promise you, your students are looking at them and reading them and internalizing them. So it does serve a purpose. And speaking of posters, one of my favorite things to do is to have my students actually create the posters themselves. So at the beginning of the year, when we're really talking about genres in reading, my kids will do research and they have to create a poster and they have to present on that genre. And so we'll keep those up for them to be able to reference to. And it's something that they did and they're really, really proud of. And it's student work. So they're always able, I can actually say, hey, remember who did that one? Why don't you go and ask them so that they can clarify that? Because they then become the master of that type of content. You can also do student work, guys. Like that is a really good one. And it's nice to be able to have it up to be able to display some of the students work. And they feel like it's an ownership of, hey, this is not just, you know, Mrs. Backman or Miss Foray's classroom. It's a it's our classroom feeling. I love having students who have demonstrated mastery of a skill actually create an anchor chart that we will hang up and it just becomes so much more meaningful. I'm so glad you brought that up. One other way that you can decorate your room and have it serve a purpose is actually through plants. Now, obviously, if you have your students like caring for and tending to the plant, yeah, that's definitely serving a purpose. They're learning some valuable skills there. However, I have recently read some research during my grad school time that shows that surrounding students with items from nature can actually help reduce symptoms of ADHD. And it doesn't even have to be real plants. It's something about that greenery that can help to not have them feel as hyperactive and it can help them focus better. So we will try to find that article and link it for you down in the show notes if you want to read a little bit more about that. The fifth mistake that we make is trying to fill every single space that we have. Now, y'all, we have one room and so we try to maximize that space. So we have this need, this desire to go out and buy storage units and buy cabinets and really make sure that we're putting it into every square inch in our classroom. And as a result, we end up playing Tetris because we are shoving things into the cabinets or onto the shelves trying to utilize every single square inch of space. But in reality, it just ends up making things feel more cluttered. You know, I had some teachers that I remember being in my internship and they had, have you seen like the table skirts where it's like a ruffled at the top and they Velcro it around? Yep. One of my mentor teachers had that. Okay. So I remember them having almost every single table that was like on the perimeter of their classroom. They had those table skirts and underneath was like the scariest madness like of bins and containers and just stuff. Oh my goodness. I have to say though, I have done something similar. I have never had a table skirt. However, 
I have tried to utilize, I'm laughing as I say this because it's so absurd. I have tried to utilize every little bit of space underneath of my desk. So I would put those huge containers, like, I don't know, 20 gallons or something. They're like the big stir light containers. And I would fill those with stuff and I would store them under my desk and I would stack them. Oh my goodness, y'all. I ended up feeling so claustrophobic when I was sitting at my desk trying to work on my computer. And even though I was trying to maximize the space, it had an adverse effect. I ended up just feeling like I had too much stuff. And that's the reality. It's not that you don't have enough space. It's that you have too much stuff. I think that's a little bit of tough love there, Bridget. Oh, it definitely is. And so here's what you need to do instead. You need to leave space clear. Okay. You do not have to try to use up every single part in your classroom or that space in your closet. You don't need to do it. And this is my, this might be a time where you say, I have to take some time to purge. Like I just need to go through the things that are inside of those closets or inside of that cabinet and really say, I need to condense my things so I can get rid of this one shelf to be able to open up the space and make it feel more inviting and more welcoming. I ended up doing that with the containers under my desk. It was a lot of materials I had brought from my second grade classroom because I wanted to keep them just in case. But I went through them and I got rid of stuff. I gave it to the second grade teachers in my school. They were super happy. I was super happy because that space got cleared up. So the biggest thing we want to get across to you is that you don't need to be afraid to have open space in your room. It's okay if you're not utilizing every square inch. That open space is actually going to help you feel a lot more calm and help your room feel more cohesive. And so here's the really big life lesson that I think we can learn from Michelle and I's mistakes is that we do not need to have stuff. We don't need to go out and buy more tangible things in order to create a really cool lesson. When we reduce the amount of items we have, we it allows us to really think and be more creative. You can bring in cardboard and have your students create something for that lesson. They're going to feel more excited about it. They're going to feel more empowered. You're building learner autonomy by allowing them to create the materials for their own lessons. And I don't know, I like that feeling of just having kids be more creative in, in their in their education. Absolutely. So as we wrap this up, let's quickly review the five mistakes that Bridget and I made that made our classrooms feel and look more cluttered. The first mistake was having containers that were just not functional. The second mistake was having classroom themes and color schemes that were not cohesive. The third mistake was having mixed matched labels that were also not cohesive. The fourth mistake was displaying trinkets and decoration items that did not serve a purpose. And the fifth and final mistake was filling every space. Oh, thank you for that. Now, guys, if you have not already done so, you need to head over to www.teachingonthedouble.com. And right on that homepage, you can have access to our huge jam-packed freebie. It's seven ways to be able to jumpstart your teacher productivity and hopes to help get you organized, to get you getting more things done and living the best life yet. 
And while you're on our website, go ahead and submit your time-sucking hurdle. Look for the tab at the top that says TSH. You can submit your time-sucking hurdle for a chance to be featured on our podcast. And also, while you are here listening, if you are on iTunes, we would love for you to leave us a review. It allows us to get into the ears of so many more teachers out there. So until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.